0: Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know that uh, meeting in this format is not easy. And so uh, I want to thank all of you for joining us. And um, I'm also just thankful for the opportunity to have, uh, that we have to worship digitally together like this. Uh, If you're joining us for the first time, we're in the middle of a Advent sermon series called A Weary World Rejoices. And what is sadly humorous to me about this sermon series is that apparently we're not the only church that's doing this. There's a lot of other churches that are doing the same exact sermon series. And I think a part of it is because all of us feel this sort of collective sense of weariness. I mean, even as it is like life outside of a pandemic, I mean, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, there's a weightiness to living life, but then you combine it with a pandemic and all the other things that are happening in our nation or around the world. and life can be, feel even more weighty. Or to use more of a biblical example, like it, it sort of feels like there's a yoke that's been placed upon our shoulders and we've been carrying this yoke for the past nine or 10 months. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen the documentary Game Changers by any chance, or if you've ever seen a strong man or strong woman competition, but there's actually an event called the Yoke Walk. And what they do is they strap a yoke on the athlete and they're carrying up upward of 1,500 pounds. And what they have to do is they have to walk 13 feet in 30 seconds. Now, as New Yorkers, we can walk 13 feet in like two and a half seconds. They have 30 seconds. And, And part of the reason why they have so much time just to walk 13 feet is because of the amount of weight that they're carrying. And when they're doing this and you're watching them, every step that they take takes like three or four seconds because of the amount of weight that they're carrying. And honestly, over the past nine or 10 months, that's sort of what Life has felt like Um, there's a there's a weightiness, a heavy yoke that's been placed upon our shoulders. And as a result of that, we're all tired, fatigued, sapped, drained and weary. And this is precisely why I love the, the verses that we are reading today. When Jesus, our Lord, says, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Now physically, we all know that if we don't experience rest, especially if you've ever um, suffered from insomnia, I mean, it's the worst because when you don't rest, you can't really function right. Your body is almost malfunctioning. And similarly, I would say that spiritually speaking, if we don't experience a deep-seated inner rest, we are going to not function right. We're We're gonna malfunction. We are not just comprised of a physical material body, we're also, comp- we have souls. We're both body and soul. And so what we need is both a physical REM, but what we also need is a spiritual REM in order to uh, to function right. And, and this is why Jesus says, come to me for I will give you the rest that you need. And, But what usually ends up happening is that instead of coming to him for the rest that we so desperately need, uh, we often go to other things. And as a result of that, there's a lot of inner chaos that is taking place in our lives. This is why the North African theologian uh, Augustine once said that our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee. It's only Jesus that can provide us the the, the rest that we so desperately crave for. And so one of the questions I constantly ask myself is, if he's the only one that can give me the rest that I need, why don't I go to him quicker? Why is he like second or third in line or last in line? Why am I so quick to rush to other things before I rush to the one that can give me the peace that I so desperately need at this juncture of my life? And I am convinced, I am convinced that one of the reasons why Jesus is not first in line and one of the reasons why we don't come to him first is because we don't really understand his heart for us and I'll give you an example of this Um, Hannah my wife and I we have a dear friend in our community that we really love and about I think it was like a year ago timelines are all blurry now to me but I, I think it was like a year ago when she surprised us with some good news and she said I'm dating someone and so we were like, tell us everything about him. And, and she was like, he's from here. And then he moved there, but now he's back. And he does this for a living. He likes this, he likes that. Uh, he loves the Lord. And so she was telling us everything about him. And, and on paper, she seemed like just a really good dude. And so she was like, I'd love to grab dinner with, with you guys with him so you can meet him. And so we we had dinner and we had an awesome time. And I, I vividly remember this. I remember closing the door as they were leaving. And I turned to Hannah and I said, I love this guy. Uh, And uh, as we got to know him more and more, like, yeah, I mean, it proved to be true. He's like such a great guy and and a friend. Uh, But there was one thing I didn't know about him. Even though he was a great guy on paper, the one thing I didn't know about him was his heart for our friend. Until one evening we went on a, uh, a date or a group dinner and uh, we're, you know, we went to get dessert afterwards, of course. And then we're, we're, we're walking outside and all of a sudden I realized that like, Hannah and I are walking by ourselves and I'm like, where are they? And, and I turn around and they're like three blocks behind us, walking slowly at their own pace, holding hands together. And it was at that moment that I understood that he's not just a great guy, which he is, but I understood his heart for her. You know, similarly, oftentimes we know that on paper, God is a, he's a great guy. You know, he's creator of the ends of the earth. He, he sent his son to die for our sins. And, you know, he, he loves us and forgives us and all that. And we know that God is all of these things. But oftentimes what we don't realize is his heart for us. How does he feel about me? All of me like my mess and everything. What is his heart for me? And I am convinced that if we really, really understood Jesus's heart for us, he would be the first person in line that we come to for our weariness. Charles Spurgeon once said that there are 89 chapters in the New Testament, or sorry, in the Gospels, but there is only one place, where Jesus talks about his heart. And it is right here in Matthew chapter 11. And if you take a look at verse 29, this is what it says Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So, what does Jesus mean when he says that he is both gentle and lowly? Well, Jonathan Edwards once said that gentleness is the defining mark of Christianity. So what does it mean to be gentle? Well, think about it like this. A gentle person is not someone that is rough and abrasive, but they are someone that is delicate and soft and tender. So think of a a bodybuilder or a sumo wrestler holding a newborn baby. There's tremendous power, and yet they are delicate, they are soft. They are um, tender with the newborn infant. And that's, that's what it means to be gentle. Imagine you have an infected eye and it's really irritating you. When you have an infected eye, you're not rough and abrasive with your eye. You're gentle with it because of how hurt and sensitive your eye is. And similarly, when Jesus says that he is gentle, that's what he's saying. He's not rough with us. He's not abrasive with us, but he's He's delicate with us, particularly if we are banged up, bruised, and broken. In in particular, He is gentle with us. So oftentimes, our our picture of Jesus is only that of a wrathful God or a holy God only. And, And yes, He is. And we can't understand the gospel apart from His holiness. But so oftentimes, we don't talk about the gentle aspect of Jesus, where He is soft and tender with us in the midst of how broken and fragmented our lives can be, which is another reason why Jesus says this aspect about his heart so that we would be drawn to him. But Jesus is not only gentle with us, and his heart is not only gentle, but his heart is also lonely. Now what does this word mean? It's not the easiest word to translate, but I think a dynamic equivalent translation of the word lowly would be that Jesus is accessible and approachable. So you don't have to go through security to get to him. He's not at you know an arm's distance length to get to him, but he's accessible. Um, I'll tell you an illustration that sort of highlights this. About 10 years ago, I was in the mall and I happened to walk into the bathroom with uh, arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL at the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so-and-so. And you know, personally, I wasn't wasn't really a fan of his but you know he's he's pretty big time and it was actually around this time of year in december and i thought it'd be really cool if i got his autograph and i could give it away as a gift for whatever white elephant you know was 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 going on and uh but you know like you know we're doing our thing in the bathroom so it's a little bit awkward to ask him for his autograph and so as we you know wash our hands and leave the bathroom <clears throat> I'm about to ask him for his autograph until a swarm of bodyguards surround him and basically, you know, give me the stiff arm and say, you, you know, you can't talk to him. He's inaccessible. He's not approachable. He's too busy. He's too important. If he does it for you, he has to do it for everyone else. And he can't be bothered like this. That is the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying when he says that he is low. He's not saying he's high and so important that he can't, you know, be bothered with whatever we're going through. But what he's saying is that he is so low, he is accessible and approachable to every single one of us, even a young child. That is how much Jesus wants us to know about his heart so that we will be drawn to him instead of going going away to other things. He's saying, I'm here for you. And so I often find myself asking the question: Then why am I so quick to rush to other things, rather than being quicker to rush to Him? Uh, in Jesus's time, uh, what people often did was they, instead of rushing to 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 Jesus, what they rushed to was their own moral performance or uh, their observance of religious laws to experience the rest that you know or the peace that they wanted, and so. In in the first century world, it was all about like obeying the Ten Commandments, but not only the Ten Commandments, the Halakha, which is uh, the oral Jewish tradition of the law. And, you know, when it comes to Jewish oral tradition, there are literally hundreds of thou shalt and thou shalt nots. Uh, What you can do on the Sabbath, what you can't do on the Sabbath, what you can eat, what you cannot eat doing this, but not being able to do that. I mean, there are hundreds upon hundreds of laws about what's permissible and impermissible. And you would think that, you know, the point of the law, I mean, the point of this is really to, to give them freedom. But what actually ended up happening was that it created more of a heavy yoke upon their lives. It was more burdensome than freeing. And that's, that's precisely the point. Whenever we turn to anything other than Jesus, we think that it will promise us the freedom that we need, but oftentimes it enslaves us more than giving us the freedom. And for us, we might not turn to moral performance or religious laws, but what we do often turn to is vocational performance, parental performance. You know, if I'm a a good dad or mom, then I'll feel like... You know a reward and rest or we turn to uh, social media performance if i get a lot of likes and comments and i i feel at peace uh, but if i don't then i feel like a little bit anxious uh, as pastors you know we we, we look for um, <clears throat> texts that say that was a great cg or a great sermon And unless we get that we don't really experience the peace or shalom or rest that we're all looking for and so the my point is that we all turn to different things to to look for that uh, that that inner peace that we we all so desperately crave, and when we turn to other things besides Jesus, um, we don't get that. Instead, it enslaves us. And I I hate using this example. Um, I hate using this example because of how tragic it is. But I want to share it to 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 sort of give us a a pedagogical moment here. But last week. Uh, we lost one of our nation's greatest entrepreneurs and that's Tony Shay. and if you're unfamiliar with who Shea is uh, he, he was the founder of Zappos uh, which sold to Amazon for like 1.2 billion dollars and uh, if you know anything about the life of Shea, I mean he he was just a really, really good man. I mean, he, he loved people. He revolutionized our understanding of customer service. He, he was revolutionizing downtown Vegas. I mean, he, he just loved people. Uh, he loved giving back. He loved empowering other people as well. And he, and he was changing, you know, like how we think about a lot of big things. And so it was really sad to me when I found out last week that he, he died at just the age of 46. And um, I was reading a an article from Forbes magazine where they were talking about the last few months of his life and uh, one of his friends made this comment he fostered so much human connection and happiness yet there was this void in his life and what Shea was ultimately turning to even though he had like millions and millions of dollars and was famous and well-known and new celebrities and there was this void in his life and so one of the things that he turned to particularly during this um, pandemic was that he turned to drugs right and he was addicted to it he was also uh, engaging in um, things like where he was sort of trying to hack his body you know immersing himself in freezing temperatures or not eating or, or lowering the oxygen in the room and he was trying to hack his body to experience a sense of rest in his life but he was unable to find it and uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if she had any Christian friends in his you know, network, but I, I so wish, I so wish someone was able to come up to him and, 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 and give to him Augustine, where he says, Tony, our hearts are gonna be, your heart is gonna be restless until you find a rest in God. I wish thought, that, I hope that, I would have hoped that someone would come up to him and shared share with him the words of Jesus when he says, come to me, Tony. If you're weary and heavy laden and i will give you the rest that you're looking for right now because clearly none of these other things are going to do it for you but i don't know if that happened and what i do know is that his life uh, really uh, ended in tragedy and the reason why i'm sharing this is that we are yoking creatures we bond ourselves to different things okay whether it's our career or money drugs alcohol um, social media, whatever, we bond ourselves to different things to to look for this sense of rest uh, that we're all craving because of the inner chaos that's taking place in our lives. And yet, none of those things will deliver apart from the one that made us. And this is why Jesus says in verse twenty nine thirty, Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does Jesus mean when he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Well, the word that is used here for easy does not mean simple, like it's as easy as one, two, three. Rather, rather the word easy means kind. His yoke is kind and that's why his burden is light. And here's what this means. Uh, In Greek mythology, uh, there's a mythological figure named King Sisyphus And because Sisyphus lived sort of a a deceptive life, there was a curse that was placed on Sisyphus. And so what Sisyphus had to now do for every day the rest of his life was he'd be at the bottom of a a hill and he would have to push this boulder up the hill. And as soon as he was at the apex, almost at the apex of the hill, the boulder would roll back down. He would have to come down and then he would have to push it back up again working to get that boulder all the way up to the apex of the mountain, but then it would roll back down. And so Sisyphus was constantly working and never experiencing any sense of rest. It was a brutal, not kind, but a brutal way to live life. And similarly, religion and irreligion are very Sisyphusian in religion you have to do moral performance obey all of these different laws to get nirvana reincarnation paradise or whatever and so you're constantly working usually never measuring up and in irreligion it's the same you also have to work you gotta hustle you gotta go to this school get this job get this title get this promotion uh early bird worm, you put you put uh, uh out what you put in uh, don't just talk about it, but be about it. So it's all it's always about performance and working harder and harder. And that can also be a very brutalizing way of living, particularly if you never measure up. But the reason why Jesus's yoke is so kind is because he is the one doing all the work. We are the ones receiving all the benefits. Have you ever been in a group project before in school or you know, at work? And depending on who's in your group you're like oh my gosh i can't believe so and so is in my group because like i'm gonna have to do all the work because i know that they're not going to do anything and there are other times where you're like oh my gosh thank goodness that this person is in my group because they're responsible disciplined, and i know that they're going to do a lot of work well in this relationship jesus is the one that's in our group that's going to do all the work all we have to do is to be in this relationship with him and receive all the benefits of his work. Because here's what Jesus does He lives the life that we were supposed to live. And he dies also the death that we deserved. This is why Jesus is kind. And you know who is often not kind to ourselves? It's us. Oftentimes the the weariness and and heaviness and burdens that we experience in our lives is not because of external factors like a a pandemic. Oftentimes the reason why there's a weightiness and a a burden in our lives is because of what we do to ourselves. It's really an internal thing and how sin is so self-destructive. And yet Jesus takes on our baggage, he takes on our yoke, he takes on all our mistakes, all our flaws, addictions, you name it, upon his shoulders. And He forgives us and He washes us. He doesn't say, hey, get your life together and then you can come to me. Clean yourself up and then, no, He says, I will clean you first. Come as you are and I will wash you anew. And that's what He does on the cross. There's a yoke exchange that takes place so we can take off our heavy yoke that we've inflicted upon ourselves and take upon His lighter yoke. entering in a bonded relationship with him where he lives a life we should have lived and he died the death that we should have deserved and so we are now reconciled to god our maker and we can finally experience the peace and the rest that we so desperately need that only he as a source can give and so you can imagine when jesus says i'm offering all of this to you come to me you can imagine how his heart feels when we run to other things. You know, as a parent, there are two things that can absolutely wreck me. The first is when my both my girls get married on that wedding day, that, that is gonna wreck me. I'm gonna be a mess, probably even more than them. But there's one other thing that they can do to wreck me. You know what that is? The one thing that they can do is when they make a mistake they feel like they can't come to me. They feel like I'm not approachable, I'm not accessible because daddy's gonna flip out and get mad or daddy's not gonna understand what I'm going through right now. That is probably the one thing that would absolutely wreck me if they ever felt like they could not come to me because of what they did. Even more than being upset about what they did, I'd be more upset that they, They they felt like they couldn't come to me. And so you can imagine Jesus's heart when he says, come to me, but we feel like we can't come to him. And so what I'm trying to do is reorient our understanding of Jesus's heart, that he is both gentle and tender with us, no matter what we have done, no matter what we have done. And he's lowly, he's always accessible. Thomas Gilwin the Puritan once said, what God is most grieved by are our hard thoughts against him. That is what grieves God the most, which is why I want to remind us again this, this day of the kind of heart that Jesus has for you, not just what he is like, but his heart for you. He's both gentle and lonely. And he also says, learn from me, because this is the way I want you to be toward other people. You know, Jesus possessed all the virtues, but there are two that he mentions that he wants us to learn from him, to be both gentle and lonely. And so for us to deal tenderly and compassionately with other people and for us to be accessible and approachable for those that particularly feel weariness and heaviness in this season of life, who are those people? May we be tangible expressions of Jesus to those people in our lives, just as he is to us. And for those of you that don't know Jesus, you don't have to climb up to him like Sisyphus. All you have to do is collapse into him. Surrender your life, give into him. And oftentimes giving in is the hardest thing to do. It's a lot easier to give money or our time, but surrendering and giving in can be the hardest thing for you. But I'll tell you what, it is the one thing that will give you the rest in the midst of the chaos that you are experiencing right now. So come, let's pray.